0: They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors.
1: Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sanabaldo,
0: and I'm Joe McGarry,
1: and we are two follicly challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Today we have with us Mika McCracken from uh, ELCA World Hunger, and uh, we're very excited to talk with her today because she's going to be our speaker at our New England Senate Assembly this
0: June. Welcome, Mika.
2: Thank you. Hi there, everyone.
0: Thank you for joining us today, and it's so exciting to have someone from, what do we call it, the mothership in Chicago? Is that you know our headquarters? <laughs>
2: The churchwide organization. Yes, the
0: churchwide or yes, yes, that's a, yes. as it were. <laughs> so so Mika, yes. can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do for the ELCA?
2: Sure, I'd love to. So again, my name's Mika McCracken. I like to joke that it's very catchy because it has a lot of double letters in it. And so I'm a lifelong Lutheran, ELCA Lutheran. I grew up in northern Minnesota. My background is in political science and studies. And I've been at, I've actually been at the churchwide organization for almost seven years now.
0: Wow. Yes.
2: And so at the shop currently, I am the director for planning and engagement with ELC World Hunger, which is just a fancy way of saying that it's the part of the work that helps the program to connect with congregations and communities, our network of hunger leaders. So it includes the networking and the education work. And then the planning piece is really more geared sort of internally to the strategic planning of the overall hunger effort that we participate in as a church.
1: And how did you get involved with that?
2: Yeah, you know, I actually did an internship with ELCA World Hunger uh, when I was still in college. I did go to one of our wonderful ELCA um, colleges. I had a great summer with the program. We're actually preparing to welcome our three summer interns for this coming year. Cool. Um, Yeah, and... As a lifelong Lutheran, I mean, I came up through the youth stuff, actually, in my home synod and really wanted to be part of the Church's work in the world, so I found my way here.
0: That's great. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that World Hunger is currently doing, some programs or stories?
2: I like to start with sort of a quick phrase everyone can use when their friends or congregation ask them, what is ELC World Hunger anyway? (laughs) And so we say ELC World Hunger creatively and courageously works toward a just world where all are fed. And I think it really kind of encompasses the vision that we believe and know as Lutherans and people of faith that God has created an abundance. And so we say that in the world today, uh, we produce one and a half times enough food to feed every person on the planet. For a lot of people in our congregations, they're going to remember the time when our goal was to produce enough to feed the world. Yeah. Um, And so the great news is that that actually is a reality today, one and a half times enough food, but we know also at the same time that a full third of that food that's produced never actually makes it to a plate, Mm. and that can be for a number of different reasons, but really then we can say that hunger is not caused by scarcity. Hunger is caused by inequality, and as Lutherans, we know that we're separated from our neighbor through sin, um, but that through the promise of really the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we have a role to play and have something to say about that. And so ELC World Hunger really is the way that you want to take action when you want to work through your church. So we work, namely as a church with other churches, and that includes uh, work in over sixty countries. So ELCA World Hunger actually had its best year in terms of giving last year. Over twenty one point nine million dollars was given and put to work by Lutherans like us, wow. which is sort of amazing, That's right? Amazing. That is great. That's fantastic. Awesome. Yes. Yes. And so it's over 250 international projects and programs and over 300 uh, here in the United States and Puerto Rico. So what I like to say is just remember that the United States is also part of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you
2: know, So like 70 percent of the gifts are shared internationally. The rest of it stays here at home to do the work in our congregations and communities with uh, your partners. So that is a little bit, I think, of an overview about ELC or World Hunger.
0: My church was actually uh, blessed with a World Hunger grant this past year with uh, a project that we are doing, which is basically connecting with the community with uh, cooking and nutrition classes. So we've been doing that and we are this summer are doing a summer cooking and nutrition boot camp for kids. So that's really exciting for us and something something new. We're hoping that it's going to kind of take off. And and be a good thing for our church and in the, the community. We're hoping to get, you know, fifteen to twenty kids in here to to be able to just to go over cooking skills. And you know, we're we're really excited about that. But it, it really kind of sparked our congregation into this idea of of the importance of reaching out into the community and connecting with some of the food uh, needs that that currently are in our community.
1: It's something we do, we have uh, four. World right. Hunger Sundays a year, where we have we have a globe that someone took apart, so it's in two halves, hmm, and then those nice. serve those serve huh. as the the offering basin for those. So we have it's an additional offering we do on a Sunday and lift that up four times a year, and uh, so good. That, that's it's people get into it; they love it.
2: Yeah, we think that about ninety eight percent of ELCA congregations report doing something in their community about poverty and hunger, and we know that the way they. We engage with ELCA World Hunger. looks different depending on our place and congregation, um, but we're so thankful for that. Those are two excellent examples. Yeah. It's
1: great. You could get 98% of Lutherans to agree on much else. So that...
2: I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: So we know that there's the capital campaign for the ELCA that is currently going on, and, and part of that is ELCA World Hunger. So can you talk yes. a little bit about the connection between those two?
2: Sure. The campaign for the ELCA uh, official name always being made new. Campaign for the ELCA. You know, when I talk about this, I really like to think about where we've come from, because I help it. I think it helps us talk about where we're going. And so, for me, it's about the time when three predecessor church bodies came together to form something that we called the ELCA. And even though we trace our history back a long ways. We as the ELCA are fairly young. And so this was a chance for the church kind of at the quarter century mark at 25 years to say, hey, why did we come together in the first place? And who are we hoping to be in the future? Let's reinvest in some of the things that make us who we are. So one of those things happens to include ELCA World Hunger, our church's kind of you know, word and service sort of way of being in the world. And so $130 million, actually, of the $198 million campaign over these five years will be for ELCA World Hunger. $15 million of that actually will be for the ELCA Malaria campaign, which we know had a resoundingly successful conclusion, and we're so thankful for all of that work yeah. um, because of the... Little bit that was raised over the fifteen million. We've actually now launched the fourteenth country program in Madagascar. Oh, so these great. are real. I mean, right? These gifts make a real difference. They do. And so the one hundred and fifteen million for ELC or World Hunger um, is the mark that we're looking at. And I think the thing to share with our congregations is that when you give a gift to ELC or World Hunger during the duration of the campaign, you're making a gift to the campaign. So it's not like it's something extra or beyond. I mean, we certainly hope that while we're in this kind of growth period that congregations will maybe take an extra effort, but it's not like you have to do separate gifts to the campaign and to ELCA World Hunger because they're they are one and the same. Gotcha. One of the nice things is that this is the focus year for ELCA World Hunger within the campaign, and they've broken up the different years to have focuses. So next year will be Global Church. But ELC World Hunger Focus Year really means that we're able to invite congregations into some specific and special activities, which is, which is really great.
1: Awesome. And how do you get that message out? I mean, I know you're coming to our Senate Assembly. Uh, what mm-hmm. are some of the other ways that you've been able to connect with folks or maybe that you specifically do in, in your work?
2: Uh, I would say we're doing four kind of invitational things for congregations to consider this year. And the first actually was in Lent. Which many of the congregations in the New England Synod participated in, which was the 40 Days of Giving, uh, the Lenten Challenge, which we're so excited about and thankful for. There were almost 400 congregations that signed up to participate. There was a devotional resource with thought leaders from across the church, um, from the first presiding bishop of the ELCA, Herb Chilstrom, to some of our global partners, for example, who are leading programs in their churches. Um, the Synod Assembly season is definitely another focus time that we are uh, working on, so coming out to visit Synod Assemblies like yours. But we also have a network of hunger leaders, over 2,000 people in congregations who are helping to lift it up at their Synod Assemblies, too. You might have seen the summer activity guide in your congregation mailbox. Does that ring a bell? It had a magnet in it.
0: No. I know— Mm,
1: I don't think I got a magnet.
2: No. I know. So what I've been saying at Synod Assemblies is if you know, you know, sometimes it disappears on somebody's desk or it doesn't make it to the right mailbox, but you'll know it because it has a little magnet with Martin Luther's table prayer in it this time around. Oh, nice.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yes. But typically we put out like an action pack that has all of the newest resources from ELC World Hunger. So this specific guide has, it was like, a, we curated all of our favorite activities and so it has, it's kind of like a smorgasbord. I would definitely mm-hmm. recommend it.
0: If we did not get one or if we don't know where it is, is there a way mm-hmm. to get another one?
2: There sure is. So all, I mean, most of the resources of ELCA World Hunger are free to you. And they're available on the website at elca.org hunger. And then you're looking for the resources tab. And so the one I'm talking about now is the Congregational Activity Guide. Which is just a really nice. It's also kind of organized for the things that we know happen at church in the summer. Mm -hmm. So it's for the time when you're like, oh, we're having a potluck. And, or, you know, we're doing our outside worship with the hot dog roasting and everything. I wonder if there's a quick exercise or activity I can do with the kids before we start to lift up ELC World Hunger. So you'd open to the little section called Potlucks and Picnics. Ah, cool. Nice. (laughs) you know, and pick out an activity. So we tried to make it as easy as possible because we know there's always something that's coming up in the summer and always somebody who wants to lift up hunger in the church. So it's kind of a fun little activity guide for the summer. As we head into the Advent season then and Christmas around Thanksgiving, et cetera, the ELCA Good Gifts program is possibly the best way for congregations to lift up ELCA World Hunger in the congregation. So that's the Alternative Giving uh, Magazine. Yep.
1: Yep, we do that, too. Yep.
2: Lovely. Well, the exciting thing, um, Pastor Joe and Pastor Jeff, is that we're going to produce a little Advent calendar for the kids this year. Nice. What? With the little, you know, the little windows that they can open and learn about a goat or a sheep, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we're saying hopefully we can make good gifts great in the Christmas season.
1: I like make good gifts great. That's yes. Itchy.
2: Do you want to hear about my favorite new good gift?
1: Yes. I would love to hear more yes. about that. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, I've been talking about it a lot, but my favorite ELCA good gift that's new to the catalog is the Lutheran long drop latrine. What? Have you seen that one? No, that sounds awesome. <laughs> so Do the tell. Disclaimer, Do tell. Yes. The disclaimer is to just kindly think carefully about who you're going to gift that to, right? Maybe you don't want to give that to your mother-in-law or whatever. So. The Lutheran long drop latrine really helps us to focus on the fact that when we talk about doing water-related work, it does include things like deep borehole wells and irrigation um, for agriculture, certainly, but it also includes things like sanitation and hygiene. And so the fact that I've been lifting up for folks is that, did you know that more people in the world have access to a cell phone than to a toilet?
0: No, I did not know that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Right?
2: And so when we think about the difference that good sanitation and hygiene can make toward, toward health, it's really an amazing thing. So one story that I can share is actually from a ministry I had an opportunity to see in Indonesia. One of the other hats that I wear is that I sit on the Lutheran World Federation International Council on behalf of the ELCA. So there are five of us from the North America region. And we were there in Indonesia hosted by the churches for the council meeting. Now, what do you think of when you think of Indonesia? Just like what comes to mind?
1: I think, isn't it the largest uh, Muslim population in the world?
2: Right. Often what people think. So it's an island nation, right? There are over 17,000 islands. Um, There are six official religions that are respected and recognized within the country. And the interesting thing is that most of the Christians in Indonesia are Lutherans.
0: Oh, wow.
2: Right. So, when you go most other places in the world, most of the Christians are often like Roman Catholic. But in Indonesia, because of the missionary history that we have with the churches there, um, most of the Christians are Lutheran. And there are 13 Lutheran churches in Indonesia. That's 13 ELCAs.
0: Wow.
2: (laughs) Yes. And the largest of those 13 churches is larger than the ELCA.
0: Oh, wow.
2: And so I think when we say we're ELCA World Hunger and we work as a church with other churches, part of what we can share with our congregations is, holy cow, did you know what that means is we work with Lutherans in Indonesia, a place where there are almost as many Lutherans as in if you put all of the de- Lutheran denominations in the United States together. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, so... In Indonesia, one of the churches there is called the GKPS, and we visited, which is the equivalent of the ELCA, and we visited the Women's Crisis Center of that church. And I I think when I visited, I was really thinking the connection would be around healthcare. About mm-hmm. 35% of ELCA World Hunger's international um, gifts that are shared go toward health care. But we had a chance to meet with a woman named Rusty, and the first thing that she said to us when we sat down for conversation was, because I don't have indoor plumbing or a toilet in my home, I'll have to walk to the outside of town to do my dishes, to do my laundry, um, to bathe, to do my business, et cetera. And that long walk kind of from her home to that place was what made her vulnerable. And Rusty was attacked by um, one of her neighbors
0: mm. on that walk. Wow.
2: And I share that because she was there receiving both physical care and emotional spiritual care at this women's crisis clinic. And one of the other people we met there, her name is Jolinda, and she's the executive director of that center. We actually had an opportunity to bring Jolinda to the United Nations this year Hmm. With us, um, part of the work of ELCA World Hunger is related to advocacy, to help raise the voices of people who do this work on behalf of the church. And so, I asked Julinda, you know, how is Rusty? How is she doing? And the story is, basically what she told me is, you'll be so happy, now she has a toilet. (laughs) And (laughs) I, I thought to myself, this is perfect because we want examples of the Lutheran long drop latrine and so we we you know went home to our respective places and we're on Facebook Messenger kind of comparing notes. And so I said how much did it cost? You know, did we buy the toilet? Da 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 da. da. And finally she just stops me and she says, "Please. You did not buy this toilet. Rusty bought this toilet for herself." Because now she's actually in the part of the program that deals with economic um, development. And so Mm -hmm. she's weaving. There's this traditional cloth. You should Google it. It's called ulos. And it's a traditional woven cloth. And so she can weave this and make a living, basically, off of this now. And so she then was able to provide and put in her own toilet and water source in her home. Wow. Uh, Right? And that's the point.
0: Right. The point
2: yep. isn't that we have to buy every toilet or every every latrine, but that people can provide for themselves. And I think that the final point that I would share about that is that Julinda said, please, when you tell this story, don't talk about the toilet. And I, I laugh because I told her, I have to, I have to. But what the other thing that was put up at Rusty's home was a privacy screen, like a bamboo privacy screen. And I think it really represents why we do this work as the church, because for as much as it is about the intervention of having a water source in the home, it's as much about helping a woman to feel safe and secure in her own place, that as a beloved and created child of God, she's able to feel safe and secure in her own home. And that's the difference that the church makes when we do this ministry together.
0: That's fantastic. That's great. It's real empowerment there when we give to World Hunger um, mm-hmm. or to, to give to the church, it, it's just a nebulous thing. You know, we, we say, oh yeah, we're right. doing these great things and then we have the good gifts catalogs out there and, and you know, someone might get excited about that and, and but you don't really have a follow-up after that and to hear, mm-hmm. okay, you know, the $10 that I put in the offering plate for ELCA World Hunger is actually making a difference in this person's life and here is an example of how that is happening. It, it's a powerful story and, and amazing to be able to to know where that's going and, and how that's being used. And it's more than than I could imagine, you know, my $10 mm-hmm. or $20 going into plate will, will do for someone.
2: That $10 could look like your garden project
0: <laughs> right. or your
2: cooking project with the kids, and it could look like a latrine uh, halfway around the world.
0: Right, yeah, right. Very cool. Getting back to your day-to-day tasks at, in, in your position, sure. what is a typical day or week look like for you?
2: What does a typical day or week look like for me? Well...
0: We ask ourselves that same question. Right? (laughs) right, right.
2: I think it is, you will relate, right, because we have cycles, um, and they follow the church year cycles in many ways. So right now it's kind of synod assembly season um, for us, which means that... We are working with our internal team of about 12, and then the about 40 people across the church-wide organization effort that steward ELCA World Hunger funds and manage that program. But it's a lot of actually right now supporting the local hunger teams. Like in the New England Synod, you have um, Pastor Dave and Doreen Rhinus, who are great hunger team leaders in your home synod. And then a lot of the work we do is, I mean, the joy of it for me is connecting people with other people. Because assuredly, the work that we are as of the church is to just connect the people who have the solutions. We don't often know the best, you know, new good gifts, planning, fair, fun thing that congregations are doing, but we can hear about it and pass it on or share the story. So that's a lot of what we do kind of day to day. There is a lot of, you know, there's some shop talk and reports and that kind of stuff. But I think um, the most exciting thing is is helping to equip congregations and synods to lift this up in the local place.
0: That's, that's a great insight to, to kind of, you know, what, what's happening in a, in a context that we might not be necessarily familiar with. But uh, another, another ministry question is, what is the best ministry advice you, that you have received?
2: The best ministry re- advice I've ever received? Well, that's an interesting question. An interesting thing I've gathered about how we're going to be Church into the future and why that matters to ELC or World Hunger, I think it's about doing our work, so to speak. So uh, something I'll be doing this week also is uh, joining Bishop Eaton for her third webcast on confronting racism. Mm -hmm. And the topic for that conversation is going to be a place for all. And she really wants to talk about how the context of the United States continues to change in many and most places and um sometimes though our congregations really struggle to reflect the the communities where we live right and are located and i think that's something everybody kind of knows in their gut and that matters from an elc or world hunger perspective because as the church how do we show up in community is really going to be that that question that will take us forward and so that's where i come back to saying it's important to do our work you know, as you go out to work with partners in the communities, it's really important to know your context, but equally as important to know ourselves and what we bring. So, like, I think the, the example of your congregation having an outreach program for working with kids on healthy cooking is a perfect example yes. that not only, you know, your context, but you've also thought about what your congregation has in terms of assets and skills. And you thought, hey, this is something we can do.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And right. so for congregations, I think ministry advice is all about finding those those connections, as Parker Palmer says, where our gifts meet the needs of the world.
1: Right, right. How about for yourself personally? What are some things that kind of connect your faith and life together? Yeah. Yeah, that.
2: I mean, <laughs> I know. That, that
1: whole thing, right? Do
2: do Do a lot of other church professionals struggle when you ask that question?
1: I think all of us do. I mean, right? it's because it's so easy to get caught up in the work. It's not that you forget it's about God, but you you know it is. But it's do you actually reflect on it in a in a real active way? I think sometimes you just you get drawn into the tasks of it.
2: Yes. I resonate with that a lot. I think for me how I connect my faith with my life and especially the light, like the professional life that I've chosen. I'm a fairly young person. I don't know if you can tell by talking with me on the phone. You'll surely see me when when I come to New England. Um, But I sometimes struggle with the idea that I want to commit my life work Mm. to working with an institution that some people think is a moot point or doomed.
0: Yep.
2: And I've chosen to dedicate my life to a problem that people think is ever persistent. Even Christ said in the text, you know, the poor will always be with you. Right, right. And for me, I guess then I would share a little bit about my own story. So it's not like super glamorous. I also kind of joke sometimes that you can find it in the Bible. It's in Numbers 27, the glamorous story of the daughters of Zelophehad you know that classic by heart?
0: <laughs> of course. No. <laughs> every yes. morning. I read it every morning.
2: <laughs> I always joke because it's stuck between kind of the listing of all the clans and the families. Uh-huh. But basically it's the story of five daughters for whom their father has died and they go to Moses and ask for the right to his land. Through God, Moses advice to grant that and to make some change in that community. And so... My story is that I am a South Korean adoptee. Uh, I was adopted at the age of six months, so I grew up here in the States, in northern Minnesota, with my family. And I had the opportunity to meet my birth father, um, Mm. which is kind of rare for adoptees in my generation. So I was 12 years old, and I think that's like a really good age because you've got some higher brain functioning. (laughs) But your whole life still ahead of you. Right. And so the story that my birth father shared is that I am the youngest of five daughters to his family. And he was a rice farmer in the 1980s and you know if you know anything kind of about the world and during that time the it was a really tough economic time. And in South Korea specifically they were actually working with the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund to put in what are called structural adjustment policies. And basically it just means they were helping the government to jumpstart the economy. And so one of the ways that that's often done in countries is by importing the uh, or stabilizing the staple crop of the country. In this case, that would have been rice. And so as a rice farmer, my birth father wasn't able to make the ends meet because the price on his crop was being undercut by that influx of a cheaper product. Yeah, sure. And... I think I also think about it by saying that my birth father was also a parent. He expressed wanting health and education and uh, opportunities for me. And he was also at that time a tenant farmer. And so what that meant for him was that he actually needed a boy to pass on his plot of land. And as you can tell, then if I was the fifth try at a boy, I wasn't a boy. And so he, he put me up for adoption. And I have never wanted for anything a day in my life. I've had a great education. I've never wanted for food or anything like that. But I really think that there are systems in this world that affect entire countries and individual families. And so that's why I kind of chose to study political science. What are the structures um, that keep the poor, poor, and the rich, richer? My first with the ELCA was actually working on gender justice advocacy with the justice for women program and the Washington office. You know, what are the structures that deal with patriarchal land inheritance? And now, of course, to my work in service with ELCA world hunger, but I often say, I often say that if that was my whole story, then I could be working for any aid organization, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Pick any other group. But I think because I came up in the church it really gives me hope. I think that as people of faith, every day we believe in something other people think is impossible. We quite literally believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's something that other people think is nuts. And yeah. if we as people of faith can't say that an end to hunger and poverty is possible, no one else will. And it gives me courage, and it gives me Hope and it helps me to persist that as Lutherans, we don't feel like we have to see either or problems, you know, red states, mm-hmm. blue states, saint right. sinner, freebound, all that stuff, we can see both and solutions. And so I think when I connect my faith with my life and then put my church professional hat on top of that, it's hard to parse any of them out because I need them all to press on with the knowledge that there are partners all over the world who are also doing that work as well.
1: Thanks for sharing that. So you, you met your father and then...
2: My birth father. You grow, mm-hmm. Your
1: birth father, right? And then and then you came home to your family. Uh, how how was that?
2: Well, that's interesting. because I mean, It's you people part ask me of you. very often.
1: You, you know, I mean, it's a different part of you that they didn't share. You know what I mean? I, I'm, sure, I mean cause well, I'm sure they helped you process that, I would imagine.
2: I mean, I think the short version of that is that I grew up in a family where my adoption was a very open conversation. Sure. And so for me, for example, the rite of baptism from the Green Book, we welcome you into the Lord's family, we receive you as a fellow member in the body of Christ, workers with us in the kingdom of God. Yeah. The the family of the baptized is a very real concept for me. So my family, actually, we all went to Korea together. Okay. (laughs) So it was a family excursion. When I look back on that, I'm just really... Grateful for the ongoing conversation. And every time I share my story, I share it, I'll share it again at New England um, for the folks who don't get to hear the podcast. But every time I share my story, I also learn something different. Mm. And I think that's been one of the hardest things for me to learn about sharing something so personal in such a public way. But I'll just give you one example, which is I was recently at the Rocky Mountain Synod Assembly where I shared my story. Yeah. And afterward, a gentleman came up to me and he shared that he was uh, head of the farmers union for Rocky Mountains in the 1980s. And because of that, he was on the national board of the farmers unions here for the U.S. And he was one of the people on the delegation who went to South Korea and addressed a 30,000-person crowd in a stadium in Seoul on behalf of the U.S. rice farmers whose crop was being imported into the country to try to share a little bit about their equal hardship um, and to build what he kind of described as brotherly love and camaraderie. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. And he, yeah, and so everywhere I go, even though I share this story that's the same to me, I learn and can be blessed by the body of Christ around me. And so he said, you know, what he did after that was he marched on the streets of Seoul with the march that shut down the city with those 30,000 farmers. And we kind of just shared that moment of weeping together and wondering if, you know, my birth father could have been in that crowd. So I think a story like this can be something really personal, something shared by a family, and something that just starts a conversation you would never expect.
1: Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah that's interesting yeah. how we get connected to other people. It really is mm-hmm. such a a, a a knit tapestry of not just individuals, but the way God weaves us all together. is It's amazing right. sometimes.
2: The body of Christ is a very fascinating thing.
1: <laughs> Indeed, yeah, absolutely. And uh, dynamic and interesting and creative and uh, broken a lot of the times. And, right. You know, all, all of it. it it's uh, yeah, that's that's cool. Thanks for sharing that.
2: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: What are things you look to for inspiration? Do you have a favorite quote or a Bible verse besides your uh, Numbers 27 mm-hmm. that all of us are going to go read as soon as this is over?
2: <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> Verses 1 through 11. 1 through 11. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I think, okay, so my favorite kind of quote that's not in Scripture um, is by Catherine of Siena, St. Catherine of Siena. Mm-hmm. If you are who you should be, you will set the world ablaze. You know, I think it's a version of Martin Luther, like, here I stand, here I stand, I can do no other. That for each one of us, God has made us boldly and, you know, creatively to do something uh, or to be something to someone. And it's about trying to discern where the Spirit is at within that, to surround ourselves with people who can cultivate our best selves and then to see how that grows. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are who you should be, you will set the world ablaze.
1: That's great. And maybe that's something we can consider corporately together, too. I mean, how are we church in each of our expressive ways, you know, through our congregations, our synods, our church-wide, our world hunger pieces? You know, how are we setting the world ablaze? It's really, that's that's cool. Mm
0: -hmm. And, And being the... The person or the, the church or the congregation or the organization that God has created you to be and not try to be somebody else Someone else. Right because when you exactly. try to do that, it, it never works out.
2: Right. And it's about doing your work and talking about why are you there and how did you get there, and what's the next thing? I, I mean, the other interesting kind of moment that I think we're in is looking toward 2017, yep, as the Reformation anniversary. And I actually was with the Lutheran World Federation's planning team for the Reformation hmm. when Pope Francis was being elected. Wow. And it's not necessarily like ironic, but it's, certain, it's certainly an interesting coincidence. <laughs> we're meeting together, and every—you know, your computer screen, your phone screen, the TVs were just plastered with pictures of the cardinals in their garb of St. Peter's Square. And I thought to myself— Wow. Especially looking at the Cardinals groups, you know, really uh, a group of kind of all men because of the kind of leadership of that church, uh, mostly white men and mostly older. And I thought to myself, you know, Andy Warhol said, everyone has their 15 minutes of fame. So 2017 is the year when every Lutheran, every Lutheran congregation and the ELCA as a whole will have a chance where we get our 15 minutes of fame. You know, the local news crew is going to roll up on the church parking lot and be like, hey, pastor. Yep. Uh, We heard there's this guy. And tell me, what is a Lutheran? What does the ELCA mean to you? That is really a unique moment. And so I'm just wondering kind of who will they see when they pan over us?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And how do we want to be in the world? And that's like the hardest question, but Martin Luther wouldn't have done his work if it was like an easy one.
0: Right, right.
2: <laughs> so as people of the Reformation, we have a great opportunity to take that seriously and with a little joy at the same time.
0: Wrapping up here a little bit, we you're sure. coming to the Synod Assembly for the New England Synod, and we have a challenge put out to our congregations— to yes. um, bring in donations from, from congregations into the Synod Assembly. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and how congregations can be involved?
2: Sure. Yes, and we are very excited um, about the generous donors in the Synod who have kind of put up this challenge. Right. And for me, it's really about being the body of Christ, because it's not—some other Synods are doing um, like total goal dollar amount goals, but your Synod has chosen to do an all-in kind of approach. Right. Uh, and it, it really makes me sometimes think of the widow's might. you know, not everyone's going to be able to give the largest gift in the Synod, and that's not what they've put forth as a challenge. It's actually a challenge of, let's do this all together and I'll be in. And so the specifics, right, are that each congregation will be matched up to a certain amount, and the goal is that everybody would contribute. Right. should be really exciting. How do you think it's going to go? What have you heard?
1: Uh, I've only heard positive things. I mean, people have been, I mean, we did a, a big push in Lent, and I know a lot of of, of other congregations did awesome. as well. We just kept lifting it up in front of people. There's this, this is a great opportunity to give. We're doing good stuff together. Here's a way to even do more together. And um, I mean, that's nice. the story we want to share.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard really good things about it as well. And uh, my, my junior youth group, um, third through fifth graders, did a World Hunger event on Saturday where they came oh, cool. and we gave them some Monopoly money to go and That's go fun. shopping and, and say, oh, some some people have a lot of money. Some people don't have a lot of money. How, how does this look? Mm. How does this feel to have them experience that a little bit? And then found a, a PowerPoint, which is kind of a choose your own adventure story type thing. And I forget exactly where it came from, but I'll put a link in the show notes. And basically it says, here's the situation and you can choose how you're going to handle things. So Mm. you can choose to be a male or a female. And then, so we had a group of all girls just on Saturday. So they chose to be a female. And it says, you know, um, do you want to get an education or do you want to stay home and work and just do working in the fields and taking care of your six children? And so we mm-hmm. kinda let them choose the path that they were go- they wanted to go on. And uh, they talked about it as a group and what does it mean to to go to work? What are the consequences? You're not gonna be able to work in the fields and you're not gonna be able to uh, take care of the kids and you're not gonna be able to do certain things, but there's opportunity if you go and do this. Um, sure. So so we ran through a couple scenarios which was really mm. kinda neat to see and have the girls get engaged that way and, and make those decisions. Um, and then they did a collection this past Sunday that we'll be bringing to the Synod Assembly. So it it gave our church an really opportunity nice. to to engage in this uh, in a deeper level, especially with some of the kids, and then to um, bring that forward to the congregation.
2: That's great. I mean, we so often see that the the youth and the Sunday schools and everything at church are some of the best advocates for ELC World Hunger. Yeah, they definitely. get it.
1: They get it. Yep, they get it. I remember when we did the malaria campaign a few years back how how much sure, people yeah. got into that. You know, we did the little do not mosquito signs everywhere and man, people really thought that was they had fun doing it and you could see the direct impact. It was great.
2: Exactly.
0: So we want to thank you for coming on to the podcast today and telling us a little bit more about you, who you are, the work you do and and really sharing your story, which is uh, we're very thankful about and Uh, We look forward to seeing you at the Synod Assembly uh, coming up here in in a couple of weeks. And is there anything else that you would like to share with everybody before we wrap up?
2: I think I would just share that if you want to be in touch or you have any questions about ELCA or World Hunger, you're sure free to contact me or also our general, we have like a general email, hunger at ELCA.org. And we can get you connected with any of the resources that I I mentioned uh, or answer kind of any questions that you might have in the meantime. And I look forward to seeing you, too.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. And uh, also, just to double back with Joe, just to say thanks Thanks again for taking time to be with us. We really, really appreciate it.
2: You're so welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: So we hope that you are able to connect in some sort of way. And if you are going to the New England Senate Assembly to seek out, some of the keynote addresses and and that sort of thing, workshops and and, and everything to learn a little bit more about world hunger and how you and your congregation can be involved. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Two Bald Pastors. If you'd like to connect with us, please visit our website, twobaldpastors.com, or you can connect with us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash twobaldpastors. Once again, my name is Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Obaldo. We are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. Take care and be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors.
2: The toilet story. I, I have pictures, great. so I see them in my head as pictures. And I was like, "Stop talking! You're talking too much." Like, <laughs> maybe
1: maybe Joe will make a meme about a toilet
0: for the. Toilet. <laughs> oh, there gosh, you go. Yes. That, that'll be the title. <laughs> that'll be the title. The Lutheran... more cell
2: phones than a toilet.
0: <laughs> more. <laughs> more cell phones than a toilet.